With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Special thanks to this episode's sponsor, Every Plate. Get a meal starting at just $1.49 plus $1 steaks for life by going to everyplate.com podcast and entering code 49disturbed. Subscription must be active to qualify and redeem $1 steak. This content may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion advised. To this day, I remember the look in his eyes. A level of focus, but also fear. It was so revealing to me to see the man whom I thought was nigh unkillable become literally shaking by the time he and I made it to the ground of the basement. I don't know whatever ended up happening with that guy, but I just hope no other kids were harmed by him or ever came across him. It might not have been a good ending. From Killer Podcasts, true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events, this is Disturbed. Welcome back to the show. This week, we bring you five true stories that will make your skin crawl. So sit back, listen closely, and dive into the horror. First up is one of the top all-time posts on the subreddit True Scary Stories. A post by user Lippy about his scariest experience as a paramedic, narrated by Dan DeGroe. Retired paramedic here. I could write a book about the things I've seen. We had a call on a very desolate stretch of road for a car parked in the middle of the lanes, covered in blood. Of course, it has to happen at 2 a.m., just like every horror story. We arrived on scene to find this new Camaro sitting in the middle of the road and had obviously been in an accident. Problem is, there is absolutely nothing else around the car. No persons, no other vehicles, nothing. Part of my job back then was as tactical paramedic for our sheriff's department, which sounds all exciting and high speed, but nope. As a medic, I got paid to wait for stuff to happen and sit in the rear with the gear. This being said, my paramedic partner and I both had pistols in the ambulance. As we start approaching the Camaro, my partner is shining a light around. All of a sudden, he says, back, 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 now, 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 in a low, hushed voice. I shine my light in the car too, 
and we see intestines wrapped around the gear shifter and a lung in the back seat. We freak out and call dispatch to let them know what's happening. And we're in the process of getting out of there until the cops show up when we see a figure appear. He's walking down the road towards us. And as he gets closer, we see he is covered in blood and gore. We both throw on our tactical vests and helmets, snatch our pistols. I must have sounded like a frightened Home Alone nine-year-old on the radio to dispatch. We approached and started screaming at him to get on the ground, which he did. After everyone's heart rate is below 200 BPM, we start talking and manage to figure out what had happened. This guy had purchased a brand new Camaro and drove it to this desolate stretch of road to open it up. He said one moment he's shifting gears and the next thing he knows, his car is all over the road and his mouth was full of blood. It seemed like an explosion had went off. I started looking his injuries over. Can't really see anything major. I asked him about the passenger in his car and he says, what passenger? My partner goes, there's a lung in your back seat. Dude goes straight into mental overload and can't come up with anything. So I'm thinking he's hurt. We get him in the ambulance. Police are five minutes away and we potentially have another victim out there. I have to go look by myself. I walk through the crash scene, look in the car, and sure enough, intestines wrapped around the gear shifter along in the back seat. Looks like parts of a liver. Looks like a hand grenade went off inside the car. I walk around the other side of the car and see a faint blood smear on the road. So I walk over to it. I can see something else further down the road, so I keep walking. And I finally see something on the side of the road. I ran up to it, completely freaked out and scared to death about the body I was about to find. Turns out, the dude had hit a deer. Here's what happened. State police estimated that he was driving well over 100 miles per hour. When he was winding the car out, a deer jumped into his car's pathway and hit the top corner of the windshield with its stomach. When the windshield crashed, it created a negative vacuum in the car which sucked all of the deer's organs out and into his car, all over this guy. I had the fire department decontaminate him, wrapped him in some blankets, and took him to the hospital. For many, many years after, my wonderful 911 dispatchers happily played the recording for anyone who wanted, at my expense. Next, we hear a story narrated by our own Elizabeth Flood, featuring an encounter with a dream walker. So when I was a kid, possibly around 13 to 14, I started having these recurring dreams. This would have been in the late 90s, so no internet for me and no idea of anything like the scary stories I've read about on there. In the dream, I was being chased through the woods by an unknown humanoid figure. They wore a suit, but this sometimes changed in appearance. They weren't particularly tall, but they were definitely bigger than me. They had buttons for eyes and hessian fabric pulled tightly around their features, with flecks of hair coming out through the material. They also had claw-like hands with elongated fingers tapering to sharp points. They would always be chasing me around the woods whilst I tried desperately to escape. Each night, the dream picked up where it had left off, 
So I was already trying to get free from them. I started having awful anxiety during the days as a result of this and struggled more at school than I already did. I dreaded falling asleep. It lasted for months and was wearing me down physically and mentally. I didn't know how I was going to escape it. I only knew that I couldn't let it catch me. One day when I was close to the breaking point, I had an idea. In my dream, I focused on creating a chain-link fence between me and the creature. Miraculously, this worked. This seemed to hold it in place. I remember it pulling at the fence, desperately trying to tear it apart, but it couldn't get through. I then concentrated on finding the edge of the woods, which I finally managed to do and left after being trapped there for months. I never dreamed about it again after that. This has always been an odd little blip in my existence that hasn't happened since. You're listening to Disturbed. We'll be right back. Here at Disturbed, we know shaking in your boots can work up quite the appetite. That's why we're so excited to announce today's sponsor, Every Plate. What's the difference between every plate and that boxed mac and cheese you were about to make? About the same difference as your seven-year-old nephew's scariest story and the horrors you hear on Disturbed. A much higher quality experience at about the same cost. Get started with every plate for just $1.49 per meal, plus $1 steaks for the life of your subscription at everyplate.com podcast. Enter code 49DISTURBED. These meals are fresh. First 48 hours fresh. We recently cooked the pork chops with zucchini, and it was scary how easy it was to make. Since I've started running, from Michael Myers, I've been trying to eat healthy too, so the 30-plus grams of protein and fresh veggies in the dish were just what I was hoping for. Have a creepy encounter with a crazed killer at the produce aisle? Every plate helps you skip trips to the grocery store altogether, saving you time. You could be spending searching for Bigfoot or catching up on all the government whistleblowers who confirm the existence of aliens. Thanks again to Every Plate for sponsoring this episode. Every Plate is America's best value meal kit. Get started with Every Plate starting at just $1.49 per meal. Plus $1 steaks for life by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering the code 49DISTURBED. Subscription must be active to qualify and redeem $1 steak. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence.
and give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. Welcome back to the podcast. Our third story features a run-in with the occult and the gruesome, featuring narration by Brian Jeffords. If you're from a big family, I'm sure you know of the fabled family reunion. It's that time during some set holiday where folks, usually detached from the core of the family, come to spend time with the rest. You usually have a big feast. You meet somewhere on neutral ground that can both house your huge family and have the facilities to do all that cooking. For us, this was an old building that used to be a school way back in the day, like five classrooms in one building over in Selma. Now, for the most part, my family would visit that old building every year during Thanksgiving. Without fail, we would cram me, my parents, and three brothers into a Dodge van and make the pilgrimage from where we lived. Now, instead of the schoolhouse, this story actually takes place across the street from my Aunt Faye's home. You see, once the food was served at the schoolhouse and the elders of the family said their respective graces and whatever else, those who didn't have to travel out of state and, uh, well, even some who did, would return to Faye's home, where the more relaxed version of the reunion happened. During these reunion after-parties, I wouldn't usually hang out with the kids my age. I'd tag along with the adults. (laughs) They're more fun anyway. Plus, when they let their guard down, their antics were way funnier than the kids my age. So, this one night, my Uncle Bobby was walking in from having a smoke, bearing his usual shit-eating grin like he always did. But this time, something seemed off. Bobby, like my father, had served in the military, so seeing him off was uh, off-putting. Him and Dad both seemed to be afflicted by something. And being the curious kid I was, I began to pester them until my uncle took me to the side to explain. He uh, pointed across the street to a house that had been there since he and my dad were kids. Us cousins were never allowed to go anywhere near this place. The one time I did, I had trouble sitting for a while, if you catch my drift. (laughs) So, when he tells me that he, my dad, my Uncle Tom, and my cousin Victor were going over there, of course, I volunteered myself to come with. There had been urban legends surrounding this property. Some people said that a uh, satanic cult used it as a secret meeting spot. Others said it was the home of a known witch who was ran out of town. What I saw in that house that day changed me. It was your classic 50s-style, two-story southern home. The stairs that led up to the second floor were somewhat hidden behind a wall, which struck me as odd. There were various um, images spray-painted on the walls. At least I hoped it was paint. There were these little glass bottles with big cork stoppers. Uh, You know, the kind of stuff you'd see in those old Western movies. But um, in the kitchen was what scared me. When we came into the room, I saw it. A pentagram with several carcasses flayed and displayed inside the design. What was truly terrifying was that they seemed only a day or so old. This, coupled with the fact that 
We could hear footsteps outside, made everyone there want to leave. Everyone but my dad. Dad, for some reason, wanted to go to the basement, or in this case, fruit cellar. To this day, I remember the look in his eyes, a level of focus, but also fear. It was so revealing to me to see the man whom I thought was nigh unkillable become literally shaking by the time he and I made it to the ground of the basement. It seemed like someone had recently been living here. Open cans of food, several mats in various places, a single propane heater, and a pile of what I hoped were chicken bones in a neat pile next to one of them. All that and a book. I know I shouldn't have taken it, but kids are curious, right? Years later, I had found out that uh, there was a cult around that time based in Selma. They used to break into farms and steal small livestock to use for their rituals. Turns out that uh, one of them got a bit loopy and started to abduct people in the surrounding area. I forget the woman's name, but she was legit called the Wicked Witch of the East. Though they caught two of her subjects, they never found her. This next tale comes from Reddit user Big Too Small and is narrated by Akeem Balam. My two-year-old son sees ghosts every night. My two-and-a-half-year-old son keeps mentioning that he sees a ghost. It's been almost daily, every night, for about two weeks now, at our new house. My fiancé is 26, and so am I. Just so you know, the first time this has happened was on the first night after moving to our new house in Illinois. I can already hear your questions, so no, it's not an old house, built in 2008, and there have been no deaths here. My son never talked like this at our old place before we moved here. I was putting my little man down in his crib for the night, and like I've done every single night for over a year, I said goodnight to all of his stuffed toys in his room, then to him, and then I kissed him on his hands, something he's had me do for a long time now. As I walked through the door to the outside of his room, I turned around to look at him with the door opened and I said, Good night. Love you. Like I do every night. This time, instead of him saying, Night, night. Love you too. Like he always does. He was simply laying on his back, pointing at the corner of his room. He then said very clearly, ghost. I thought there was no way I heard that correctly. I asked, what did you say, bud? And he replied, ghost in my room. He didn't seem scared or shocked or anything, but to be honest, I was getting a little uncomfortable. 
I just said, You're okay, bud. Where? He pointed at the corner again, said, Ghost. I told him not to worry, to try and get some sleep. I said, Good night, and told him I love him again, and he repeated, Ghost. Then looked at me and said, Love you, Dada. Then I closed the door. We have never talked about or mentioned anything about ghosts with or around him. There isn't one situation I can even think of that we have talked about ghosts with him. And even if we did, he's only two and a half years old. Why would he even have an inkling of understanding what we would be talking about? It's not like the kid knows what death is. And I don't think he would just be saying that just to try to freak me out. So the next day around dinner time at our in-law's place, I asked him if he remembered what he said to me last night. He clearly said, Ghost, in my bed. What the fuck? We all just kind of laughed it off. Maybe he heard about them at daycare during this past Halloween or something. We really have no idea where else he could have heard about ghosts. Last night, he did it again just like pretty much every single night we've been here. There's no evil aura in the house or something, and nobody in either my fiancés or my family have passed recently. Not only is it a little weird, but it's pretty consistent, and like I've said earlier in this post, he's never done this at our last place, not even once. I'm starting to get a little concerned. What's going on? In our final story, we feel the terror of a near abduction. Post by Nostalgic Winters and narrated by Paul Brown. I was born in the late 80s and grew up in upstate New York throughout the 1990s. Where I grew up is much different now than it was back then. It was definitely more rural, with clusters of neighborhoods here and there, I used to live near an old uh, capital landfill as well, near the main road that saw a lot of semis driving down to some factories in a neighboring town that was about a five-minute bike ride. Down the road was an old Baptist church that was uh, founded by an eccentric former hippie who was really good to the community, actually. Now, my dad, he, uh, he loved to drink, and he loved to fish. My guess is that he spent so much time fishing and hunting with his friend because it gave him an excuse to drink while he killed something. So he he ended up making this deal with this hippie pastor and the gentleman who owned uh, a pond behind the church. They agreed to stock the pond with fish and let my dad and his friends go fish over there. They got really serious. They even went in on a boat together to help get more competitive. That summer, my friends and I had permission to go fishing and swimming at this pond too. I lived less than five minutes from this pond and my friends and I went out there one summer day in 95. That week, the news coverage about a wave of kidnappings had my mom all worried. I don't remember if Amber Alerts were a thing then, but she decided to make a code word with me. She told me that if anyone ever tried to convince me that they knew my mom or dad in the, in the hopes to, you know, get me in their car, I should ask them for a code word. Ours was pickles. <laughs> yeah. So... 
Fast forward to our trip to the pond, and my friends are getting ready to leave. We sat around and, and actually just swam more than anything, really. My friend Dennis, he, he ended up getting really mad because he was, he was serious, you know, about fishing. So he and his brother, they, they left, and I was all alone out there. Once you got past this farm here, this road was a straight shot to the main part of town, and my house's road was right before this road ended. So I'm on my way home, and I get to my road, and I'm about to turn. I didn't notice, but I was being followed by a beige pickup with this Cletus-looking guy from The Simpsons in it. He greets me and tells me that my mom and dad are waiting for us at this local restaurant. He tells me that they asked him to come get me and meet them there so we can all have dinner. Immediately, I thought of what my mom said, and I started getting this evil feeling, like I was in danger. I told him that my parents specifically have a password that they give their friends, and that if he was their friend, he was required to tell me. Boy, did that make him mad. He started swearing at me, and I, I didn't see one, but I was certain he had a gun that he started fumbling for in the truck. I turned my bike around and, and started pedaling down my road, screaming for help, that I was in danger. He jerked his truck to follow, but I, I was making too much noise and, and was all ready to my house. He, he just took off. When I got home, my mom was there, and I was hysterical. I asked her why she would ask such a mean friend to pick me up. I, I told her what happened. She didn't believe me at first. Once I'd calmed down, she, she told me I did the right thing, but I could tell she had a hard time believing me. She also grew up in the same town, and, and just she couldn't believe something like that could actually happen here. A few days later, though, a friend of hers told her a similar story about her son in another part of our town. That's when the police got involved, and the cops came and, and they talked to me. I gave them the same description of the man, his truck, you know, what had happened, everything. I don't know if the guy was ever caught. I, I used to be very bitter at my mom for not believing me, but I now understand the confusion she had. Instead of reacting, she just tried to console me and, you know, keep an eye out. My dad, on the other hand, was more vigilant about it. He would ask me all the time when we were out if somebody looked like that guy or if a certain truck was the one I saw. I don't know whatever ended up happening with that guy, but I just hope no other kids were harmed by him or ever came across him. It might not have been a good ending. Disturbed is a production of Killer Podcasts, a part of the Evergreen Network. For more paranormal and true crime shows, visit killerpodcasts.com. Follow our social channels at Disturbed Podcast on Instagram or Disturbed underscore pod on Twitter. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and reviewing on your favorite listening platform. Share your own true horror story at disturbedpodcast.com. Music by Epidemic Sound and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Our producers are Noah Fouts and Elizabeth Flood. Our audio engineer is Nathan Corson. Executive producers Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Till next time. Stay safe out there. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.